0: If you would open your Bibles this morning to uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter six, we will be continuing in our continuing in our in our study on pleasing God. And we are now on pleasing God four. I know a lot of you are thinking, how long do you have to chase a rabbit before you catch it? But well, we're almost there, I believe. The pleasing God four is where we are. Um, you know, this is deriving from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, you know, for it's impossible to please God without faith. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we have discovered that just that, it is impossible to please God without faith, but however, with faith, it is possible to please Him. And that should be very encouraging and humbling to us, is that we actually have the ability, God has put things into place, for us to be able to put a smile on His face. We can please our Creator but it has to be with inside the actions of faith. And also within, within this, we've discovered what faith is in light of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 as well as verse 6. It's that substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. In plain, faith is simply the action that we give to God whenever we believe that God is, we believe that God has spoken, and we believe what he says is true. It's the actions that derive from those things. You believe that God exists, you believe that he has spoken to us, and you believe what he says is true. And when those three three things come together in a believer's heart, and we really believe God, and when we act in accordance to obedience to his will, and that's what faith is, we are just simply being obedient to God and trusting him for the result and believing that what he is telling us is right, is true, is pure. We've also looked at the example of Noah and how he pleased God by preparing an ark. We know that he, ple- he was pleasing to God because he did it by faith. In that he believed what God said concerning the, co- the coming judgment, the judgment that was to come, and he trusted God for the hope of saving his family. And in believing those things, he obeyed God and he prepared the ark. And by faith he did so, and we understand that it was pleasing to God. You know, from the last couple of weeks we've pretty much logically deducted from the Word of God and the revelation that it's given us that, that pleasing God requires faith. Faith is acting in obedience to God's Word. And last week we concluded that obedience is a choice of which you have been fully informed of not only the choices that you have which is obedience or disobedience but you've been informed of the results of obedience and disobedience. You have the ability to choose whether to be obey, to, whether you obey God or not and in doing so, you can choose the blessings, life, and the good that God offers, or you can choose death and evil and the curses of God by choosing whether or not you want to be obedient to what God's word or be disobedient. But we do have that choice. So understanding and logically deducting all the way to that point, it really comes down to the phrase that pleasing God is truly your choice. You have been given the choice. I'm going to show the video that we, we missed out on last week.
1: Why is there suffering and evil? Let's assume for the moment that God is all-powerful. This means that God can do anything that is logically possible. So he can create galaxies and subatomic particles and rainforests and you. But God cannot do what is logically impossible. He cannot make a square circle or a one-ended stick. So can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? No. So what if, when God created human beings, He wanted them to be free? Freedom's a good thing. But, if humans are to be free, they cannot be forced to obey God. Because freedom without choice is like a square circle. It's a logical contradiction. No choice, no freedom. God didn't want robots. He wanted real people. The first humans endowed with the awesome power of free choice abuse their freedom. The tragic consequences of their bad choice and our bad choices ripple across the world. God is responsible for the fact of freedom, but humans are responsible for their acts of freedom. But let's remember, we don't suffer alone. God will put an end to suffering and evil and god became a man to suffer with us god is good and he wants real people like you to know him but the free choice is yours
0: yes so the free choice is up to us you know we as believers of jesus christ and you know, we have the choice whether we, can, we, can, we, um, we continue in a life that's faithful to him by being obedient to his word, or we're free to choose to not to do so. God says, look, this is what I want you to do. And I'll bless you in this area, curse has come in this area, but however, the choice is yours. We've been given a freedom to choose God. Um, so therefore, the, the Christian way of life truly is rooted in whether we choose to be obedient to God's word. You want to please God, then it's a choice up to you. Whenever we got to the point of last week, whenever we choose you know, life and good, or we choose death and evil, according to um, in the book of Deuteronomy, whenever we make that choice, but what really drives us to make the choice to be obedient? You know, really what, makes us the, what, what drives us, what is the motivating factor to please God? What is your motivation to please God? Well, this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few of the reasons why we do choose to be obedient, you know? And not that either one of them are wrong, but we're gonna look at to see which one is the good, the better, and the best reasons why we choose to be obedient to God. Now, the first one that we're gonna see here, the good reason is, is we have fear of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter six and verse 13, let's start there. Now, the fear of the Lord is a good reason to be obedient to God. In verse 13 it says, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Mesa here the fear of the lord choosing to be obedient out of the fear of the lord is choosing to be obedient because you know what will happen if you do not does that make sense yes we have an understanding disobedience when we looked at yesterday or last last week we looked into the into the chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy the curses of disobedience are horrible and when we step out in disobedience, we step out from under the umbrella of the blessings of God. We step out alone, on our own, to face our own consequences for our own behavior, and we are no longer we are no longer under God's God's provision because we've willfully stepped out in disobedience from God. So we have to understand that. So understanding that those things do happen, you know, stepping out in disobedience to God. Um, is what will will bring us cursing and and the fact that we know that we choose to be obedient because we don't want those things to happen. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. It can keep you accountable. And I also want to, to point this out that this is pleasing to God. Why is it pleasing? Because it's by faith. Well, how is it by faith? Because you believe in what has not been seen, right? You believe that if you step out away from God that the curses will come upon you and you believe God and you choose to be obedient to him now all through the Bible you'll see in many many different places all over the Old Testament and the New Testament where God's people are warned not to turn from God they are encouraged to be obedient and then right after or right next in the next verses they are warned they are are warned about the um, about the possibilities of being disobedient and the curses that will come along from it if you, if you just turn with me really briefly over to, like, Psalm 95, this is a perfect example of what is happening. In Psalm 95, this is a, this is a psalm that was written as a call to worship, where you see there, it says, Oh, come, let us worship the Lord. Let us sh- shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him. As it goes through here describing how we can praise God in different ways and and all inspiring kneeling before our Maker, we're praising God for what He has done, who He is, and what He's going to do in the future. It's talking about praising God. But whenever you see the second part of verse 7, it kind of changes gears there. It says, today, if you will hear His voice. If you will hear, if you will listen to the voice of God today and do not harden your hearts as they did in the day of rebellion, as they did of the trial of the wilderness, whenever your fathers tested me and they tried me, though they saw my work for 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So what God is doing here is he is warning the people of what? Something that had happened in the past. He's refreshing their memory. He says, look, you need to understand when I brought you out of Egypt, I was going to bring you to the promised land, but yet you tested me. You rebelled against me. You did not go and take the land like I had commanded you, and therefore you were pushed off into the wilderness for 40 years, and everybody 20 years and older died, and that generation was gone aside from two people, Joshua and Caleb. And so, yes, it was a warning to do what? Not to be disobedient. It was a warning saying, look, these things will happen. And it it cultivates a fear of God in order we are obedient to God because we do not want to experience those things again or at all. In Ephesians, my goodness. Ephesians, yes, Ephesians. Ephesians is right next to the book of Second Opinions it's, it's there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 5 it says for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience Therefore, therefore do not be partakers with them it's a warning, again, is it not? It's a warning against disobedience, because the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And God does not want us to have a part of that, so therefore he is, he is warning us and educating us, saying, look, this is a decision you don't want to make. Fear the Lord your God, because he will judge his people. And I think it's a good thing for us to have a healthy fear of the Lord. We need to recognize that, yes, he truly is a, is a righteous and holy judge. And he has the right and the ability to judge this world in righteousness. And he has the right and ability to judge me according to my behavior. If I choose disobedience, he can judge me accordingly. And it's good for us to have that healthy fear of the Lord. And it should motivate us in our service to him. And see, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, this is what it says. It says, for whom the Lord loves... chastens how many of y'all have ever been out of of line with the Lord alright anybody been chastened by the Lord you really feel like it was the hand of God allowing things to happen in order to do what to steer you back right it's to steer you back you know those curses and those those things and and the things that come come down upon us for our sinful behavior it's not because God is a dictator he's going to demand that we follow him no we have the choice to do it but those things happen in order for us to come back and be obedient to God. In doing so, it says that for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? He also gives another warning here. He says, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So we have to understand that God, in, in the time of disobedience, when the curses come, and when we face the suffering, and whenever we understand that, yes, this is because of my willful disobedience to God, it is to bring us back, it's to cultivate a healthy fear of God, and for us to not continue to be disobedient to God, but yet we want to avoid the judgment We want to avoid the consequences. We want to avoid further chastisement, and therefore we choose to get back on the road to obedience and follow him. So yes, I believe it is a good thing to have a fear of God. It is good. It keeps us accountable. It should also motivate us to repentance as well. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you'll read all the way through uh, chapter, verse 26 through 31, you'll, you'll see the fullness of this. But just briefly, it says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. A certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which, we will, which will devour our adversaries. In verse 30, it tells us, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine says the Lord, I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. Understand this. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Those are warnings for us. They're warnings for us to do what? Be obedient. They're warnings to us to not be disobedient. He is being very clear to us. He wants us to be in, in obedience with him, but however... Because God is righteous, God is holy, God is just, He will correct each and every one of us. I think we all need to cultivate a very healthy fear of God in that we are obedient even out of the fear of God so we can avoid the punishment. We can avoid the justice that it will bring upon us. We can avoid the chastisement of God. But however, whenever we are faced with that, we need to make sure that we do repent and we get back onto the, 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 um, the line of obedience. So yes, having a healthy fear of God, I believe it's important. I don't think that we should ever lose a healthy fear of the Lord and understanding his righteousness. But I believe that God would even want us to progr- progress a little bit further. You know, even beyond just solely a fear of, of God in disobedience. I believe he would want us to progress a little bit further. Yes, it's good to have the fear of God. And I truly believe that whenever you're obedient, out of the fear of God, it's a blessing to God. It pleases God because it's an action based on the fact that you believe what he says to be true. And it's by faith. And he's pleased by that. But I think we should be able to move on a little bit further. Now in John chapter 15 and verse 15, it says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You know, our relationship with our Heavenly Father is not just a mere slave and master relationship, a dictated relationship. But God wants a, an intimate relationship with us. One that's not solely based in the fear of him. Now, as I said, we still need to re- retain that godly fear, but I don't think we need to uh, be limited to that being the only motivation that we have in order to be obedient to Him. So is there something that's better? Yes, I think there's something better. I think it's better that we obey Him because of the rewards that we get from God. Rewards that we get from God. Let's t- re- briefly look at um, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Come back to our text. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord... Our God, the Lord is one. Excuse me, I need to be, in uh, uh, verse 10. I've jumped ahead. Excuse me, verse 10. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10 says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, the, give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all goods which you did not feel hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and when you have eaten and are full. Now clearly the children of the children of Israel were going to be blessed. they were going to be given the reward and they were going to have the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham Isaac and of Jacob to go into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. He's saying whenever you get there, it means you will have houses that will be filled. The wells are already dug. The vineyards are already planted. Everything is ready and waiting for you. Now, they could have had it 40 years earlier if they would have been what? Obedient. And now, having learned and have lived through the judgment and been able to hear the experience and the testimony, I'm sure that Joshua and Caleb were talking about it. After everybody around them and their generation had died off, I mean, they're still talking about it. Why are you you so old and still here? Well, let me tell you, because I was obedient to the Lord, and he blessed me. And, he, and now he wants to reward the entire nation of Israel, but we must be obedient. And Joshua led the charge to, take, to go over the river Jordan and take Jericho, and they were obedient to God. So by faith, the walls of Jericho came down, right? Because they faithfully did what God said. They, they, they faithfully were obedient to God whenever, whenever God directed that the priests were to take the Ark of the Covenant, out first and take the lead that had never happened before but they did it they did what God said and they they put their feet in the river and it started to back up and everything flew away and it dried up and they crossed the river Jordan it was based on the fact that they were obedient and did what God said and when they got there they did something really crazy we don't want you to fight we just want you to walk around the city for seven days and then yell and scream on the last day and the walls will come down okay that takes a little bit of faith here doesn't it To believe that story, to believe that truth, and to actually follow through with it. But by faith they did, and it was pleasing to God. And the reward was that they gave them the victory over the city of Jericho. So yes, I think it's better whenever we focus on the rewards of the Lord, because we choose to be obedient because of what we will receive. I think it is a progression. I think it is pleasing because 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 we are not. I think it's pleasing to God because it's by faith because. It is the substance of things that are hoped for. We are acting based on the promises that God has given us. Now, he's promised us pre- sweet and precious promises to those who are obedient to him. He says he will withhold no, no good thing to those who walk uprightly. And I believe that, the, that, the, that, the, um, that the, uh, the offering of blessings are on the table for our taking. The promises are there for us to meet the condition. And I think when we focus on that, we have, we have progressed from just fear alone two actually looking at the rewards if you think of the progression here you know you may you may initially start living the uh, living a life that's getting a lot of chastisement you start to recognize well you know God is this is not the way that God wants me to do so out of fear of the Lord you choose to be obedient you believe that if you continue in this lifestyle that the that the judgment of God will continually be upon you and then you choose say, well God I'm going to be obedient out of the fear But in in being obedient out of the fear, when you're obedient even out of the fear, guess what? You're going to meet the conditions of God's promises, and you're going to experience the rewards of God in your life, The the hand of his mighty works in and through your life, and you start to experience those rewards. And you start to say, well, this is the much better life. Now I'm experiencing the very promises of God, and you want to continue to get those. So therefore, you continue to be obedient to God. You continue to choose life and good and blessings rather than keep going down the path of disobedience which leads to death and evil. So you make that choice to move forward. So you, so I think it's better in that you are being obedient to God by by looking at the things that you can receive from God. So now rewards is our motiv- motivating factor, but we still hold on to that fear of the Lord. okay, That warning, because we know what it's like whenever we step off of it, but now we are looking towards the Rewards that come from the obedient life. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 6, this is speaking of God on the day of judgment. It says, He who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But then again, on the flip side, of what he does, what he does tell us here, he says, But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. For them it is indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish. But he does reward his children. He wants to reward his children. He wants the blessings of God to fall upon them. Whenever he was telling them, uh, in the children of Israel, and also throughout the entire New Testament, look, I want to bless you. In the time of Jeremiah, whenever they were in a very backslidden state, nothing was going right in the, in, the, in the eyes of the Lord. But we find out in Jeremiah chapter 29, and verse 11, during a time of rebellion, he says, I want to give you a future. I want to give you hope, but it's going to be through obedience. You have to turn back. You've got to forsake those, those false gods, those deceptive things, and turn back to me and choose me, choose my way of life, because that's where you will avoid the chastisement and you will gain the rewards and the blessings of God. Then we look at Matthew chapter 19. We see a conversation where Jesus is having with his apostles, and then Peter makes a statement and says, so, Peter, so Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and have followed you. Therefore, what, what shall we have? Therefore, what shall we have? You know, I've left everything for you, Jesus. I've left my job. I've left my family. I've left my livelihood. And I'm solely following you. I've forsaken everything, Jesus, and I'm here. So therefore, what shall we have? It says this. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that in, this, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes, and anyone who has left houses, brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive one hundredfold and inherit eternal life. God will reward you for your faithfulness. God will reward you for your obedience. I also want you to understand, too, that God's promises often require us to wait. Sometimes God's promises will not come until eternity. If we go back, if we just turn just briefly back to Hebrews chapter 11. And looking at verse 13. Now, we've just read through a list, a short list, of people who were living their life by faith and pleasing God. And they were clinging to the promises that God was going to give them. They were believing in something that had not happened yet. They were clinging to the hope that God had promised them. And look at verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. The fullness of the promises of God didn't come within their lifetime. But however, they were looking and they saw it afar off as we need to see it. And we need to understand that the rewards that we will get a hundredfold for the things that we sacrifice for following Christ, do not necessarily come during our lifetime. But we can be sure that we've been promised even greater rewards in heaven. And those are the ones that we need to be striving for because those are what we understand are eternal, they're uncorrupt, and they're pure, and they will last forever. So we invest in those rewards rather than the expectation of what we have here on Earth. But yes, it's true. You know, some children, for you moms and dads, understand that your children only obey to avoid discipline, right? A lot of us have operated that way. You know, we do things just simply because we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to face the consequences of this behavior. Therefore, the pleasure that I will temporarily get out of it is not worth what I'm going to find on the end, on the consequences, or if mom and dad find out. Right? Is the risk assessment there? Which which way do I go here? Some children obey just simply to avoid discipline. Others obey to incur favor. For you parents in here, what would you prefer your child to do? All in all, you want them to obey, correct? And you're pleased if they obey. Sometimes they obey out of fear (laughs) of discipline, correct? Which is good, sometimes it comes to that, right? (laughs) Out of fear. And sometimes they're obedient because of what they will get in return. They know there's a reward that will come if they perform wisely, if they choose wisely. My question is which one do you prefer? I don't like to invoke fear on my children I don't like to, I will <laughs> I will you know when I want him to fear me more than taking the trash can out to the street <laughs> you know I need him to have a healthy fear of his father and that discipline will come if he's disobedient but I also would much prefer the him to desire the adoration not, not, only, not only him son I'm just saying that as a general term Okay, I have hers too but my children, I want them to desire the favor that I would give them, the rewards that I would give them, the encouragement, the, the um, uh, you know, just the fact that I'm saying good job and thank you. I would prefer them to operate out of that desire for my rewards rather than fear of my discipline. It's just a preference. But however, I'm happy either way as long as it gets done, right? Very good. So I can see, yes, yeah, so this is a better situation. But the sad truth is very, very few Christians actually rise above this level of obedience and disobedience. You're choosing to be obedient to God for fear of God, as well as choosing to be obedient to God because of what we, well, we can get out of it. Now, you know, very few people get out of that. Now, whether you're being obedient or not, that's still good. You're still exercising faith because you believe God, and you're acting accordingly. So you're still living by faith. But is there something that's even better than this? You know, What is the best motivation for our obedience? What should it be? Because I want you to understand you can stay in a vicious cycle within just these two. You can stay in a really vicious cycle here because what, what happens to us? Well, we're living in disobedience. The judgment of God comes upon us. We're like, oh, this isn't very good. I don't like this anymore. This hurts, okay? Then we are steered and we repent. We go back to obedience. Then we live a life of obedience. We start experiencing the the blessings of God and God's blessing our lives for our disobedience. Things are going good. And then we forget where those blessings came from. And then we start to backslide, taking everything that we've gotten for granted. We start to backslide and then we start living a life of disobedience. And then we start tasting discipline again. Oh, ouch, we don't like that and then you can get in a vicious cycle and keep going forward. So I think there's a better way even than just claiming the rewards and the promises of God. I think there's a better way than just living a life of fear, of the fear of God. I think there's even something that we could even call best. Because what happens here, looking at verse, looking at verse, um, uh, let's start in verse 10 again. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10, because that's exactly what Jesus, or this is exactly what God was warning them in verse, in verse 10 and 11, remember, they would go into the land. God will fulfill the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. The houses would be full. The wills would be dug. The vineyards would be planted. The olive trees are there. It says, but when you have eaten and are full, when you have eaten and you are satisfied, when all of your needs have been met and life is good for you, what does the very next verse tell us? Beware. Then beware lest you forget Lord. Beware lest you forget the Lord. Those of you who are in my class on Wednesday night, does this sound familiar? Yes. When we start to forget the Lord, bad things start to happen. When we start taking God's blessings and God's promises for granted, and we no longer are giving him praise and glory and, and continuing to seek him in obedience, realizing that he is the source of all things that are good, And we start chasing after other things that we think will give us pleasure on top of those things, or may even be better. And we turn our backs on God, and we start chasing other things. That's why he's saying, beware, lest you forget the Lord. Because whenever things are going well in life, if you really think about it, whenever things are going really good in life, we don't necessarily fear the judgment of God, do we? When things are going really well, and our needs are being met, and we don't have to really strive or struggle, it's no longer a struggle for us anymore, you know, we're no longer worried about not having our needs met and having the blessings of God and His rewards upon us. And therefore, we may not be moved by fear and we may not be moved by what we may get. And it's going to take God, the disciplinary hand of God, to go back on our lives to get us back on track. So what can we really look to that will, can put us in a continual, <coughs> in a continual, lifelong life of faith that will please God and keep us in a right relationship with him so we can continue to live in the blessings of God. What is that best motivation for us? The best motivation is your love for the Lord. Yes, the fear of God is a good thing. It will hold you accountable. You can live a life by faith in the fear of the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're choosing to be obedient because you believe that the judgment will come if you disobey, and God is pleased with that. Also, God has given us precious promises. God has given us rewards for which we could strive. God has given us the ability to please him, and also he is going to in turn give us gifts because of it. And I believe that, you know, in in that hope, that substance of the things that are hoped for, Whatever we strive for, those and we're obedient because we believe that God promised that He will force, He will see us through whatever it is, as long as we're obedient. I believe that is also a life by faith. I think it's better than the fear, I don't think, but I think we can't lose that fear. But the best, I believe, is a life of obedience that's cultivated by the love that we have for Him. <coughs> Excuse me. While we may initially choose to obey out of fear and then expectation of rewards. <coughs> Excuse me. A continued and successful, obedient life requires us to love God. Because we don't want to get in the, the vicious cycle that we talked about. Because think about it this way. When you truly have love for someone and you're truly grateful for the relationship, and you truly love and adore someone and you want to please them, whether that's your children, whether that's your spouse, whether it's family, your church family, your friends. Some of you have relationships with people that are tight, bonded, and they're intimate relationships, and you want to please one another. You're willing to go out of your way in order to help them and to make sure that they are taken care of. And you want to please them. And when you do that, are you expecting anything in return? No. I mean, now there's been times where you've really, maybe some of us have really gone out of our way and we've really worked hard to really help someone out just because we loved them. We just wanted to share the love of Jesus with them and we wanted to help them. Also, sometimes you don't want anything in return, and yet they're sitting there they're holding out money and thank you and trying to give you something. But no, 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 I don't want it. I just, I just want to let you know that I love you. Now, whenever we come to a point where we are being obedient out of the love for God that he has, yes, he's going to bless you because it's according to the word of God. He's promised those things. But isn't it, isn't it better just to have that intimate, close love relationship with your Heavenly Father that just wants to please him? And the fact that he is pleased is what you're desiring. Regardless whether the judgment of God comes on you because someone else, regardless of whether you get blessings in return, you just want to please him. So, in, so whenever you are being obedient, this, whenever you're living a life of obedience, it is cultivated by a strong, intimate love relationship with God. It doesn't matter if things are going good. It doesn't matter if things are going bad you can continually and steadfastly live a life by faith because your desire, your motivation to please God is grounded in the love that you have for Him. The things that He has already done. You love Him for what He has already done. Love is the most effective motivator for, for obedience. It is the best. Yes, the fear of the Lord is good. Yes, the, um, yeah, the rewards from the Lord, yes, it is better. But the absolute best is the love that you have for him that drives you to obedience with him. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 is where we find this. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. It says, you shall love the Lord your God. Do we have reason to love God? Yes, because he first loved us. We have reason to love God. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 tells us, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand if you are a partaker of the grace of God through his son Jesus Christ, that should be enough to motivate you to be obedient and to serve our risen Savior day in and day out, blessing or not. This should be a, this should be an action of obedience and a life of faith because you love Him. But the bottom line is, we just need to be obedient, right? And I believe and truly, you may you may start today and say, "Look, God, I'm going to be obedient." And it may simply be out of the fear of judgment because, you, because you're tired of living a life that's bringing, bringing trouble and you're tired of living a life outside of the blessings of God and just out of the fear of God, you say, God, I'm going to be obedient. And I believe whenever you step out in faith and do that, I believe when you step out in faith and you're obedient, even in the fear of the Lord, you will begin to experience the blessings of God. But whenever you start experiencing the blessings of God, never forget where they come from. Never forget that the good things come from God. And the fact that he is willing to bless you as a sinful child, as a disobedient child, he is still giving you offerings. May that humble you into a place that will grow and cultivate a very strong, intimate love relationship with your father that, 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 that cultivates a strong desire to please him. That you will continually choose to please God because you love him. Because he first loved you. Do you have an intimate love relationship with God that mo- motivates you to please Him? So why do you want to please God? We've all, we've been asking the question every every week. Do you really, really want to please Him? The the, uh, the answer has always been yes. But my question now is, why do you want to please Him? Is it out of fear? That's good. Is it seeking the rewards of God? Well, that's better. But is it out of the love? that you have for God for what he has done for you. That's best. So where are you today? What decision do you need to make? I believe we all have a, have, a, have a level that we are at here, but this morning there's an invitation. I would pray that each and every one of us would take a look and say, God, I want to love you. I don't want, any, I don't want to expect anything from you. If you want to bless me, God, that's great have to suffer judgment for the and, and persecution in this world for following you in obedience, that's fine. But I'm gonna be willing to do it and I'll because of the love that I have for you and because of what you've done for me. Let's stand let's have heaven him of invitation. Father, we thank you so much that we have the ability to please you. Lord, thank you so much that you've made it very simple for us to do so. Maybe not always easy, because we have to get ourselves out of the way, of Father. Father, we want to thank you even for the discipline that you give us, the chastisement that we face for our disobedience, because we understand that's just your loving hand to correct us, to get us back on the road of obedience where your blessings will fall. But Father, let us truly just see you for who you are. Let us truly see you as a loving God who desires a relationship with us. And Father, may we in turn love you so much for what you have done. And we just seek to please you. Let that be our number one motivating factor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.